2: Hi, my name is Cecily Strong. And I feel honored about being Conan O'Brien's friend.
0: Thank you so much for saying that.
2: Oh, that was written in. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) Was that not?
0: No, I I wrote that in and faxed it to you. I didn't know people still had fax machines. (laughs) And you said it just like we agreed.
3: Here, hear the yell, back
1: to school, ring the bell, brand the shoes, walking loose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be
3: friends.
0: Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, podcast, a journey, if you will. Three friends making their way through the audio world, forging relationships. Of course, Matt Gorley joining me. Hello, Matt.
3: Hi, it's great to be here with my two best friends that I see all the time.
0: Yes, indeed. Conan, Matt Gorley, but not Sona Mobsessian. Oh. That's right. Sona, as uh, many of you know, she's given birth to twin boys, uh, Mikey and Charlie, or Mike and Charlie. Good, stout Armenian names. And uh, <laughs> lovely, <laughs> adorable, adorable uh, boys. And so she's taking time off. I probably not PC of me to say this, but I think it's a betrayal <laughs> that she's, uh, <laughs> she's left the podcast. Fair. Well, it's flawed priorities, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. One month old babies do fine on their own. Podcasts <laughs> oh. need constant care and attention. Uh, but filling in uh, for, for Sona, and those are mighty big shoes to fill. Uh, and, and I mean that literally, she has, Sona has massive, <laughs> massive feet, <heat. laughs> size 18, is, uh, is David Hopping, who is, um, this is how unimaginative we are. Sona really is my assistant. And then taking over for Sona is my assistant, David Hopping. <laughs> so, <laughs> something they probably don't mention when you get a job with Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. that you may have to be on a podcast. When I started, I was basically Sona's assistant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now listen, Sona is this, What's spill the tea, as people <laughs> like to say uh, Sona, um, kind of a wacky assistant, as you know, uh, what is it like working for her? I mean, that must be quite strange. Oh, it was great.
3: Wait, I have a question. She has an assistant that's like renting an apartment to someone and then they sublet it and just make the money.
4: My technical title when I started was Conan's personal production assistant, but it was really direct, like, Reporting to Sona, okay. Right, so basically,
0: and I think I can follow up on Matt's question, when Sona got an assistant, it meant David was my assistant.
3: Yeah, she put all <laughs> the and work on him. And
0: Sona was watching her shows, <laughs> mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. She was watching her shows and you were running around putting out fires left and right. <laughs> Uh, I also watched a lot of shows because <laughs> she told me I could. So she, what shows did she tell you you could watch, or anything? any show? Oh,
4: so she encouraged you to be a bad assistant. Well, it was a few weeks in, and I would come down every once in a while just check in, see if she needed anything. And finally, one day, she told me that I could just sit at my desk and watch TV till she called me. It's wow, incredible. What a gig. Got, Yeah, you like came I told in- you, I did 14 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I did all of Gossip Girl. Uh, most of Shameless, a lot of Arrow, The Flash. This is unbelievable. (laughs)
0: You were getting a paycheck to watch television Mm -hmm. while, uh, and, and Sona was telling you that this was de rigueur. This was- She said if anyone asked to say I was doing research for you. Wow. Yeah, because I need my info on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> you might. <laughs> what if 12. you interviewed Ellen Pompeo? <laughs> Season 55. <laughs> I, I saw in the paper yesterday, in the paper, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I saw an article, it wasn't in the paper, it was on some screen that, uh, <laughs> I'm one of the, I, you know what I do is I open up my laptop and I use it to hide the fact that I'm reading a newspaper. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> you have a three foot iPad.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He closes and opens it like he's
4: opening a new page. Yeah,
0: I have a giant, giant uh, laptop with a massive screen that hides the fact that I'm reading a 1950s newspaper. I'm like, oh, Dewey defeats Truman, eh? I, uh, I'm stunned by that. I was reading an article and it said that Grey's Anatomy is coming back for another season. I thought, mm-hmm. that's still on? Season 18? How do you know
4: that it's season 18? Because I've watched 17 seasons. Because he works for you, yeah. <laughs> on only, my four, dime. only 14 of them on your dime. Does anybody do anything that works for me?
0: Jordan well, Schlansky, well, who's our, my associate producer, I've never found evidence that he does anything. And we've made it a bit on the show and people think it's a bit and it's not a <laughs> bit. We don't
4: know what he does. Sona never knew what she was doing. Sona used the corp card to buy us lunch a lot. So thanks for That's that. That's not as well. supposed to happen. But we would get your lunch too. And then. Yeah. And then I wouldn't eat it. Both of us. Because I'd see myself at. Uh, <laughs>
0: I'd see myself in the monitor at rehearsal and say, oh, look at Chunky there.
4: <laughs> Chunky gets no lunch. And you guys would eat my lunch. Oh, I would go get your groceries every Monday. What groceries? You would get like turkey and apples and- Like home groceries or for the office? Like for the office, I would go to Whole Foods every Monday. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. Wow, turkeys and apple. The Conan O'Brien Oh, I would story. take your tea Every day before the show, I don't even like tea. Man. Everything you mentioned is something um, I don't like. What, what a, a rock shitty star life. life you're living! Here. I know. I, I'm talking about an
0: apple, what are you in preschool? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was
4: trying to, but it, I'm listening to it now, and it sounds pathetic. You know what's fun? Though? I don't like any of those things. What kind of juice box like did you drink? Yeah. What was fun though is at Whole Foods they don't have chopped red onion, but when I told them that it was for Conan. They would take it into the back and chop it so that way Sona and I wouldn't have to chop it. And then spit on it.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, Conan, huh? Yeah, we'll chop that up real nice with my dick. This is wet. (laughs) Jesus Christ. You get
3: dick chopped onions?
0: Yes. And I knew they were. You haven't had an onion till it's been dick chopped. No. Oh, no. no, I'm sorry, but it it's does true. have a, ex- it's just fantastic.
3: You are living a rock star <laughs> life. I take it yes, all back. Yes,
0: thank you. You take it all back. Yeah, yeah make sure that onion's dick chopped <laughs> the way they dick chop it at
3: Whole Foods. Who's dick chopping back there today? Is it Arthur?
0: I like the way Arthur dick chop, Arthur's gone? What happened? Ooh, nasty accident, eh? <laughs> no. Yeah, dick chopping was off today. Well, I think we hammered that joke yeah. home. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those moments where I'm going to be walking somewhere in Los Angeles and someone's gonna lean out of a window, passing <laughs> a car, and go,
3: dick chopping! Oh, no, and next time you get a delivery of onions from Whole Foods, they're gonna have a little tag on them that says, dick chopped by Arthur.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well. I hope um, Arthur's listening. Yeah. Oh, trust me. You better put some ice on that thing. Hey! <laughs> My guest today, very excited about this. My guest today is an Emmy-nominated cast member on Saturday Night Live and has a new show, Schmigadoon, on Apple TV+. She also has a new memoir, This Will All Be Over Soon, available in stores tomorrow. Very excited to talk to her today. (music) Cecily Strong, welcome. Where are you in upstate? Because I was just in Hudson Valley, like three weeks ago. And I was looking for you uh. Um <laughs> with kind of a nefarious, no. Uh,
3: um, I was
0: up in Hudson, New York. I don't know how close you are to that.
2: I'm in Stotsburg, which is just south of Rhinebeck. Do you know where Rhinebeck oh, is? Oh,
0: I've been to the air show in Rhinebeck.
2: People know Rhinebeck. I, it's kind of the, the big city
1: nearby. I uh,
0: dated a lady once who had a place up there and uh, went to the air show in Rhinebeck and couldn't believe they <laughs> actually, they perform like a sketch, like a, a sketch where a, a guy is marrying a woman. out. They're out in a field. <laughs> a guy's marrying a woman. And, you know, and then suddenly a guy in a black hat with a mustache runs out, kidnaps, <laughs> quote, the woman in the wedding dress and very clumsily puts her into uh, a German triplane, you know, with three wings and takes off. <laughs> and then the, the, the groom goes, I'll get you in pantomime and gets into a sop with camel. They, they go up. In the air and chase each other. And then like the bride transfers over to the other plane and then lands with <laughs> her hero. And you're like, you just did a sketch where the chances of all of you dying was about 85%.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know, we would have been impressed without the
0: storyline. I know. I know. Us.
3: It wasn't the writing that anybody came for. <laughs>
0: yeah. Take the plane up and show us if this plane still works. <laughs> I don't need to then- know. Well, why is she going to that plane? Well, of course hmm. I was watching it thinking, now <laughs> wait. It's not minute. emotional state. Yeah. I don't buy it. This is, I don't, <laughs> she didn't seem that emotionally invested in him. Have you been to that, I forget what it's called in Colorado. It's,
2: it's like a Mexican themed theme park restaurant yep. and they do high dive shows.
0: Casa Bonita.
2: Yes, but it's similar and you're eating bad food and then halfway <laughs> through dinner, they'll be like, get back here, you. And there's a sketch that'll start and some woman will probably be kidnapped and taken to the top of this mountain and then they dive
0: off. That's hilarious. (laughs) And yet people are complaining about the food, you know? (laughs) Right. Sometimes I like to, yeah, I say, let's go to this strip club because the food is fantastic. And then right. it'd be really great to be like, I, I hate to see women degraded. And I think that whole thing is an objectified and I don't care about that. I'm pretty much asexual at this point. You've got to try the creme brulee. It's absolutely then, fantastic. You
2: should send food back at a strip club. Uh, I'm so sorry. I normally don't do this. I just, this is not how I am. Yeah,
0: the beef tartare, be it's a little heavy on the onion. <laughs> We're so sorry, Mr. O'Brien. Are you enjoying the strip show? You know what? but i don't want to see these women objectified
2: That's, i'm upset about that yeah
0: that is not what i that is not cool i don't like what's going on with the ladies up there about the uh, tartar the steak tartar
2: and i do- don't want to be rude and I, only if there's not a big rush in the kitchen but if they could just do that kind <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, all right. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I need to conduct a professional interview here. Maybe the first one I've ever done, but I'd like there to be some semblance of a real professional interview here. Let me start by saying I'm, I'm also honored. I am uh, getting major street credit from my 17-year-old daughter for even speaking to you. I want to say it's always quasi-insulting when uh, the few times that I say, oh, I'm off to talk to let's say, Cecily Strong, and my daughter gets so excited, and suddenly I see that I'm elevated in her eyes. And then there's some part of me that thinks, well, wait a minute, how did you feel about me before I said I was going to get to <laughs> hang with Cecily Strong today? And and then it's be clear that she was kind of indifferent to me, that now I am <laughs> I'm just the gateway drug that gets her to Cecily Strong. So... Um, you are beloved. Well,
2: I sir I feel a pressure now to be cool enough for your seventeen
0: year old daughter. Well, she'll probably only listen to the parts where you're talking. She has okay. she has a special app when she listens to the podcast <laughs> that takes me out of it, and it's just going to be you talking. And she gonna-
2: turns your speak into like meows. or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, yeah, that's a really good point. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get <laughs> defensive. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no I've uh, I've admired your work uh for many years and it was interesting cuz because we live on different coasts uh, I don't really think I've had a chance to really interact with you, meet you. I don't think we've ever met.
2: No, I don't, I don't think so. I it always does say feel that bizarre. I,
0: I say that with hesitation because sometimes I'm not in my right state of mind. So we might have met.
2: I know. I get it. I, th- that happens to me a lot. Anyone I met at an after party or in the hallways during a show, I'm like, oh, we met. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm used to saying I'm so sorry after. Meeting someone.
0: Do you say that immediately after you meet them? I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yes. And I apologize for whatever I've done wrong so far. Why don't you say, I feel very sorry about being Conan (laughs) O'Brien. I'm just so sorry. Sorry all around. Sorry for Conan. Sorry for me. Devastated. You're just devastated. Um, in watching your work, I always try and find, what do I have in common with this person? <laughs> if anything, I'm gonna start by saying I think we're both very attractive people. Um, Let's start there. Okay. The obvious. Yeah, that clearly, um, there's just silence in my room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to say. Yeah, no say. one's, no <laughs>
4: nothing to add No one's on making eye <laughs> contact
0: with me. I'm
4: never <laughs>
0: <laughs> David, I really do think as I get older, I'm becoming better looking. I do. That's good. Um, but... <laughs> God damn it. No, I was thinking that in watching you perform and then and then in reading uh, your, your book, This Will All Be Over Soon, it's clear to me that there's almost a slingshot effect, and tell me if I'm wrong, where you have some uh, anxiety, nervousness, self-consciousness, maybe sometimes periods of really feeling low, and then the performance is like a slingshot out of that. Is that true? Is like the performance is a chance for you to, to almost be the opposite of the person that you are.
2: Oh, yes. I would say that's a huge part of also the characters that I'm drawn to and the people that I find funniest and and most fascinating. Because I am so self-aware and self-conscious, then it's like watching someone have a meltdown in a grocery store is like, what a gift. I'm just, those people are just... So fascinating to me. And so that's what I like to play.
0: Yeah, and you, you're you really uh, adept at playing characters that ha- are completely unselfconscious and don't give a shit. They don't care. Yeah,
2: I mean, they're just, all, they're that confident. Yeah. Your view of them or opinions of them will never matter.
0: Yeah, they don't, they're not even, they're probably dimly aware that you, have an opinion about are them. Are there. Yeah, right. or you're, that, that you're even you're there. You're part of the
2: conversation. Yeah, right.
0: and it's funny because um, in you know reading your book, what I picked up about you in particular was that there are a lot of people that think comedians are all bad boys. And I don't mean that gender specific, <laughs> but that they're, they're people that... Yeah, when I was 14, I was—I remember doing a lot of coke and I got on a skateboard and I came into algebra class late and I said, fucking deal with it. And the whole class laughed. And then I knew I'd be in comedy. And I was always the exact opposite. <laughs> I was in class right on time and afraid. <laughs> and then it's so weird later on. It's such a liberation to get into comedy for that reason. You, you seem like the same kind of person when you were a kid. You were a do-gooder.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I did some bad, but I don't think... Um, well you
0: murdered some people, I, which is I, uh, right, but that doesn't the,
2: make me a bad boy. no, no
0: the you you murdered them, and then you moved on with no regard for their lives. Um, I didn't
2: even care, I don't even talk about it, yeah,
0: yeah, what's well, chapter um, three of your book? There's the, <laughs> the chapter where you say they
2: made me talk about it, yeah. <laughs>
0: It's chapter three, I murder. That's, if you've forgotten in your book. <laughs> I murder,
2: no big deal. <laughs> no
0: big deal. They're gone, but I'm still here, ha ha. Which is a bad chapter <laughs> heading, but. Well, you remembered it. I do, <laughs> you're right. That's,
2: what, that's why it's a good one. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah. Well, I guess you win this round, but I'll be back. <laughs> but the sense I got is that you were very, you were constantly hyper aware of, maybe how other people felt about you.
2: Definitely. And I think like popular kids and kids who like knew how to work the social world at 17, like they're, I'm shocked when they're funny because they never had to be funny.
0: If people are very, uh, grew up very socially comfortable, and I don't mean wealthy, but but they were very comfortable. They had a lot of friends. They knew who they were. They started dating at an early age and knew what they were doing. If someone like that turns out to be really funny, I'm enraged. I'm absolutely <laughs> enraged because I'm thinking. I was
2: told they peaked early. Yes, they aren't supposed to be okay. But then now. they
0: peak again and again and again. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm enraged because I think, or if they were really great athletes and then they're also really funny. I think, no, 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 no. This was my consolation prize for so many things. (laughs) You can't... Why do you get to have it too? Do you know? It's like, I'm the guy who, (laughs) I'm the guy who stumbled into the game show wearing a tattered jacket and I won the car. And then they said, oh, and look, Jeff Bezos is here too. He gets a car also. I'm like, no, it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, but
2: it it isn't right and it isn't fair.
0: Yeah, well, this is, the theme of this podcast is ways in which I've been (laughs) fucked over. Did they tell you that, did your publicist tell you this is how I got fucked over by Conan (laughs) O'Brien?
2: Yeah, sort of.
0: Yeah, they probably- d- I just
2: assumed, too. Yeah. I asked to only do press like that. Yeah. I said, only angry press. Only press <laughs> with settles to score. Yeah. Or scores to settle. Oh, to you've been drinking brain. early, haven't you? Well, okay. I wish. It's, and that would help.
0: Yeah, I get this a lot. People were chatting <laughs> with me for like five minutes and they always say, I wish I had a drink right now or some pills. <laughs> I don't know why that comes yeah. up so often. <laughs> but it does. Because um, it
2: feels like a party, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and something about me, I suppose. Um, <laughs> you're going through this time right now where I, I, I'm not going to pin you down on this, obviously, because this is your decision to work out. But people are speculating, are you coming back to Saturday Night Live? Or are you not? I'll tell you, in the brief time that I worked there, I was constantly, whenever it was summertime, I was so happy. As much as I loved working there, it was such a pressure cooker, Then it was the summer. I always thought, I don't know if I'm going back (laughs) because it was so hard.
2: Oh, totally. And I think I I talked to Lauren earlier this year and he said, well – I don't make any decisions until at least July. It's like because in June I still hate everybody and hate everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, Lauren means that uh, about everything, including what he's going to have for breakfast.
2: <laughs> right.
0: He makes all his decisions on meals and what clothes he's wearing <laughs> in July, and it's for it has the to year. Be
2: July, July, or yeah, yeah.
0: I'll have between um, July and August. I'll have crab. I'll have crab with eggs in uh, in May. <laughs> Um. Every morning in May. <laughs> yes. And there will
2: be an assistant setting out crabs and eggs every oh, he doesn't, morning in
0: May. He still has assistants and stuff? I would have thought he'd have grown tired of being oh, yeah. taken care he of has lavishly. Great assist-
2: they wind up you know, going on under-
0: run television. Yeah. He's got great assistants. When I was there, yeah. Martin Scorsese was his assistant. <laughs> he'd be like, Martin, can you, no, this is not what I asked for. I asked for corn <laughs> off the cob. I wish I had a Marty impression. Yeah, he screamed like at Scorsese along. and smashed his glasses. <laughs> I got to see all this, because I was there a long time ago. I was there, I think right. 1958 to 62 <laughs> when I was at Night Live. And I
2: Live. And I didn't come until early 80s, Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. You were there in the '80s. I remember that. You Used to do your <laughs> Jane Fonda bit, where you were exercising, and you did your uh, uh-huh. that, that parody of the "Aha" video. Um, and
2: so, yes, I would sing. I loved the exercise songs. That's what I would write. I, lo- I, I w- probably I have a Jane Fonda parody in my pocket.
0: I want to convince anyone who just tuned in that Cecily Strong is in her mid-60s. That's, (laughs) if I accomplish nothing else in this. You know,
2: it's funny. It's like you say that and then people go, wow, really? And you're kind of like, oh, I shouldn't have made a self-deprecating joke in front of you. Yeah. Because you wouldn't know it was a joke. I think
3: also you (laughs) using the term tune in puts you in the (laughs) mid-60s.
4: Yeah. I like the thought of someone just starting the podcast in the middle. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, first of all, it's been really—it's really clear that um, you know I'm open <laughs> about uh, about you know I, the fact that I am not tech savvy and that I really don't understand what a podcast is. I'm very <laughs> honest about that. I'm, I'm constantly saying, "What if someone tuned in midway?" Because I don't understand. I don't understand even what we're doing right now. I understand. <laughs> I keep it very simple. I am admi- an admirer of yours. Uh, I think you're really funny. I was excited to uh, talk to you. And then beyond that, I don't know what a podcast is. I don't know how people are going to hear this. And this might all just be people. Uh, I might be in a state of mass delusion where people are saying this is actually going to go out somewhere. But I'm told you know, people on the street seem to know about it. People so. listen, I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. That's great, David. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, to whatever this is and whatever you use to listen This to. will be put out on a waxed cylinder and distributed.
2: I think my favorite thing when I got... When I started SNL, my mom went on Facebook and said, ladies and gentlemen, set your VCRs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have to tell you, my parents never figured out and they are still with us. They, my parents never figured out all the years I was on television. It was kind of a mystery to them that you could tape it and uh-huh. so God bless them they used to watch it when I was on Late Night all those years at 12.30 they would start watching it at 12.30 wow. at night wow. and uh, as a result uh, they were very sleep deprived All they both <laughs> both lost their jobs uh, they were air traffic controllers <laughs> air traffic controllers they started fucking up um, but <laughs> But I remember, I mean, that era when I was on SNL, which would be 88 to like 91, you really did have to see it when it was on TV. You had to see it. And and you, of course, have been part of this era where so many people were watching it afterwards in all these different ways. And they're watching it for days afterwards. So there are the people that watch it live while it's happening. And then there's this right. entire other audience that's checking it out, which I think is kind of a gift because they're seeing your work over and over and over again, sometimes in trading it. And I think that's contributed a lot to how much people adore your work.
2: You know, I, I, that's a great way to look at it and should be the only way to look at it. But I think I still... I would worry that's like there's an oversaturation or then it makes it harder to do recurring because people feel like they've seen something so much more than you've done it because they can watch it over and over.
0: I disagree. I think it's a really good thing for you and I'm not gonna let you take this. I, I no, again.
2: it is it is good and I'm I'm trying to be better at like not qualifying things that should be positive and going, but here's the asterisk. Yeah. Here's why it's not positive. Yeah.
0: Well, but that's natural. That's a defensive mechanism that you've developed right. over millions of years of evolution. <laughs> and so you can't be mad. I, I know, at I
2: it. can't believe this is then evolution sucks if this is what it got
0: us to. Self doubt. Yeah. yeah, thank you. You could have had a you could have had a third lung. Billions
2: of years to get to self doubt. <laughs>
0: Eight million years ago, you could have developed a third lung and a much larger brain. All of us could have, but we decided, that lizard decided, I'm going to go with more self-doubt and crippling anxiety. Who needs a third lung and a much Unibrowse larger brain?
2: and self-doubt. That's what we <laughs> There is It's funny. It's like, sometimes I'll meet people and I'm always like, you're a different monkey. We come from a different monkey. I, lo-
0: I, I, I been- love that. We- <laughs> Don't, I think you mentioned that phrase in your book, didn't I read that in your book?
2: Probably, yeah, because it's like a thing I truly believe in. So you meet the Hemsworths, different uh, monkey.
0: I know what you mean. Uh, There's so many uh, <laughs> over the years. I've interviewed all these people in person on the TV show, and and uh, these men, and I think, oh, you're. I know that technically we're both adult male <laughs> Homo sapiens. But why does your chest look so much different than mine? You really (laughs) are, as you would say, a different monkey, you know? Mm -hmm. How did that happen? That's why I'm on steroids. Um, There's, you know, it's so funny because when I think most people would hear that, oh, Cecily Strong has a book out, maybe the immediate assumption would be this is going to be a book of wacky stories or, you know— silly stories and uh, what you've written is a really beautiful meditation uh, over, it takes place uh, mostly throughout COVID, uh, but threaded throughout the book and really the theme of the book is the loss of your cousin, Owen. So I thought I'd, I'd kind of start this part by saying, I'm sorry about your cousin because reading oh, the book, you. I feel like I know this man and I like him and this, their loss really does come through.
2: I mean, and it's very nice that you say, you know, it's great to feel like I'm letting people know him and like him because he was just such a gift to me. And it's Mm -hmm. nice to share. Yeah. In a way that I think, you know, it's like a way he's still going then, too. Yeah. And then even, you know, the day that we were losing him and I knew he would be gone That night, it was sort of all night. I kept thinking, where in time and space is Owen in this moment? You know, like, where is he on his journey? Where is, you know? And so there's like the whole, it's just where in time and space is Owen? Am I? Was really part of the book. And so I think that that's the weaving.
0: It's funny. It's, I mean, funny is the wrong word. I'm going to say it's (laughs) funny in that way that where you know what I'm, (laughs) you know what I'm saying when I say funny. Not that I'm a sociopath yeah. and I'm just laughing <laughs> <laughs> at your very personal loss. It's hilarious. Um, no, what is peculiar to me, but I can relate to it, is there's a lot that I find is, would be helpful. If I was going through loss reading this, it would be a little bit of a manual of, this is not a bad way to process it. This is not a bad way to metabolize uh, loss and have it mean something. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that's very kind of you to say. And I would hope that's sort of part of why I would publish something that's like insane to do if you're at all a private person. But And I think the couple of things that I heard back early on after doing the essay for New York Magazine was sort of hearing that from people, that it was at all helpful, felt like, well, that is then a reason to publish it.
0: I thought there's a part of the book I – that um, really struck me, which is at one point, you're talking about a relationship you'd had in the past uh, with someone, and it's implied that the relationship uh, wasn't the healthiest relationship. And you don't really get into specifics, but you you say that you reached out to this other person in the relationship and asked, could you write about it? You wouldn't use their name. And this person wrote back and said, no, I'd rather you you not write about it. And so you have- I can't remember. I think it's 13 or 14 blank. I think it's 11. Okay. Yeah. That's 11 blank pages where you could have been describing what you, th- you know, what you said was a abusive relationship, but it's just blank. And I thought, wow, that when you, when you see the blank pages in the book, it does, it does have an impact. And then it just ends with, I think his quote, thanks for understanding, good luck with your project, which yeah just sits there like a like a dead wet fish at the end of the of the <laughs> well, <laughs> 11 pages well i'm glad
2: to hear it because that's what i wanted no i'm it, i actually am, that is nice to hear that you felt that way i think i was so in writing this and and reaching out to everybody that i'm writing about there's like a you know my brother was really great about it, talking to my dad after i sent him a copy he was like sure maybe there's some things i wouldn't love being out there but it's her story mm mm-hmm. mhm And I think that was really great of my brother to help reinforce in me. And I was so hurt that 11 pages is like, why isn't that mine? And why doesn't that get to be mine? And it was so insanely hurtful to me when he said, nope. And it was like just that easy. It was like all of a sudden now my this huge part of my life doesn't belong to me, especially with something that's so
0: difficult to talk about. Let me ask a question, uh, and I don't know this at all, but if you're not using the person's name— you're not allowed to put it in the book. You're not allowed to describe your side of the story. Why isn't that yours to tell? Was that a legal issue?
2: No. I, I mean, and, and I went through legal issues and that wasn't one of them. And at one point there was a thing that was like, but well, is there somebody that witnessed something between you two? And it was like. Yeah, I guess. But that feels crazy that, right. again, it's like I have to have someone. You have to have a witness. Who, is, who has witnessed any kind of abuse, which is just like, I hope it never gets to that. I don't want to be on trial.
0: Yeah. Right. And
2: having to call my friend as a witness and say like, yeah, I saw her being choked or something. Right. But I, And the reason I, just to lighten it up a little too. Yeah, let's well, lighten um, up the choking.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's some I sad. think what the, well the reason I know that it's eleven pages and why I'm also thankful that you got it is because I sent the book to um, Dr. Henry, who I adore, you know is the onco- my cousin's oncologist. My cousin, Dr. Henry, is
0: uh, the and oncologist he, who worked with with Owen to try and save his life. It, yeah,
2: yes, and he's. Um, been a part of my life for the past year and change, and we text a lot, and I sent him the book, and he was like, it's great. It's lovely. Just a couple corrections. I think you have about 11 <laughs> blank pages. <laughs> <in the book.
0: laughs> yeah, that also happened in the original Catch-22. It was just a printing error, and Gutenberg had that problem in his you Bible. For catching it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So many. JD Salinger had that <laughs> uh, with *Catcher in the Rye*. It's a common printing error. Um, no, I, I, I read this. Shakespeare
2: cult. would sometimes forget a syllable. Yeah,
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah, he was not a great writer. It turns out, um, <laughs> I'll say that. That in a way, I would argue that what you did is more effective than maybe if, even if you had told the story. And I don't know the story. I so I have. I don't know what I'm talking about. But the fact that you didn't handcuff yourself and you just left the 11 blank pages. Uh, And then that last line from his text or email, uh, I think is very powerful and gets the job done. So, yeah. um, Well, it was,
2: it got the job done in his email. I certainly
0: felt a certain
2: way after that. Yeah. And I think um, one thing, my editor, Sean, who is um, such a partner in this project to me but he said early on was he felt like what I leave out is just as important as what I keep in in my writing and I I think it is because the whole thing I'm trying to be as honest as possible and i was sort of talking to my dad about it It was like well dad I if I just celebrated where we are it means less if you don't know that like took work to get to where we are and that's okay and like no one's going to fault you for that but I think in trying to be honest it was like There have to be some things that are maybe better left unsaid, just so it doesn't go into a different
0: territory, if that makes sense. Well, I have found in my years of writing and working in comedy, to me, uh, so much of writing is editing.
2: Uh, Yes. And I have a problem editing myself. And I actually, it's like, I prefer being able to write answers or write things down. You know, I, I love texting much more than talking on the phone for that reason. Like I can see what I'm writing and take things out
0: should we switch over to text right now (laughs) would you like that
2: yes that's okay for podcasts yeah
0: tune in yeah I'm working on a new tune in I'm working in a- Tune a, a,
2: in to this text message.
0: We should work on a new form of podcast that's just texts. <laughs> and um, and it comes up on the windshield of the person as they're driving. <laughs> and it leads-
2: <laughs> For them it to read. sound safe? Driving.
0: No, no, trust. Oh, doesn't sound safe, David. What's not safe <laughs> about reading text between
4: me and Cecily <laughs> while that, you're driving at 60 miles How can I an
2: text hour? better while driving?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Conan causes another accident. Yeah. Can, yeah. <laughs> There's the third, gotta be a better
0: way. The 700th accident. <laughs> And today, the victims were listening to Conan O'Brien and Cecily Strong. Uh,
2: and it was a quiet podcast, and they, they watched it on their windshield.
0: Um, <laughs> they tuned in. I don't know your story of how you got Saturday Night Live.
2: I did a showcase at I.O., and Sharna Halpern suggested I do it, and I was kind of, I didn't know that I was ready, and, you know, there's so many, it's like rumor and gossip and, like, the legend of Lorne Michaels coming to S.C to io and it was like well he'll only see you once so if you can only get that one shot so don't mess it up and so i wasn't sure i was ready um and i wasn't really an impressionist i took like a workshop with this guy matt miller who did a character and impressions workshop and you watch yourself on camera but it was really good because you watch yourself with other people watching too and you can hear where they're laughing and they're not and Mm -hmm. so i realized i should everything should be a little shorter than i thought it was like a whole summer. I, I went. So he came to the showcase and then the next day they had a couple of us go to the hotel where they were staying. and It was like speed dating and, you know, me pretending to be normal. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I think I was like, ha, 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 I shop at Trader Joe's. You know, I don't even know what I said. I only remember bringing up Trader Joe's and cucumbers and wine. That's all I remember.
0: Because you've mentioned good. those same things in this podcast like eleven times. <laughs> and did. you
2: know, I buy my wine and cucumbers to Trader Joe's. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. no, we get it. What
0: you're getting, you're getting some kind of compensation from Trader Joe's, and congratulations. That's how
2: I talk to people from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> to let them know I'm cosmopolitan too. <laughs> but then I, then it was like, okay, a month passed or something, and I didn't hear anything. Oh no, that's not true. So. I got flown out to New York then for the, the first test. I went back home and as I was driving back from the airport, I got an email from Lindsay Shukas saying they were going to fly me out again to just hang out in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. But they sort of just put you in the office and then have people come in and out and talk to you to make sure that you're not the, the wrong kind of crazy. And
0: yeah. then it's like then a I, social experiment. Yeah. It's almost like a right. reality show. Like you're being brought into Big Brother's house to hang out for a little bit. Is this a good analogy? You watch That's, Big I Brother? I love Big Brother, yeah. <laughs> keep okay. going, keep going. Well, we're gonna make this about Big Brother now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while there to feel like you're really part of the machinery, as you know. Oh, yeah. And some there Here's. are many people that are brought in and told, why don't you just hang out in the writer's room? Uh, and then they just become typists. Um, you know, they, just, like, they, get folded into, they get folded into other parts of the show that don't involve creativity, so- I don't. I. I didn't know. I had no idea. And you must have felt weird being told just go and hang out. There's pressure there that. Well, should I bring wine? Should I?
2: And I'd already talked about Trader Joe's. So I,
0: you had, had the only. Yeah, your only conversational <laughs> topic was gone. <laughs>
2: Who knows what I said? And Lauren wasn't even there, so it was even stranger. But well, he
0: hasn't actually been at SoundOut Live, I'm told, for four years.
2: <laughs> no, he calls in. Yeah,
0: he's uh, he has from St. Bart's. Yeah, he, he's in there <laughs> in St. Bart's, or he's at his blueberry farm in Maine, and he <laughs> right. he has monitors, and he just and he writes. He
2: works hard, though. I mean, the, the jam is not going to make itself. No,
0: the no. blueberries aren't going to. And someone this. has to fight off those bears with giant <laughs> yes. giant sticks. That's my blueberry bear. <laughs> and he's. I remember <laughs> when he said, you know, I got goats. <laughs> Did he say that? <laughs> like, oh. He had pictures. There's goats up there. I have a picture. I'll show there's you. Goats. Um, that's how
2: to have a blueberry farm.
0: That's it? a goat. That's a goat. A and uh, Well, that's Jack Nicholson. And that's another goat. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Mick Jagger.
0: <laughs> oh, there's a goat. <laughs> nope. Nope. That is Mick Jagger again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's getting very goat-like as he ages. <laughs> um, and, and so how long did it take you to feel, because my memory is that you hit very quickly.
2: Well, what's funny is, so when I got hired initially, um, he, was he, I didn't know I'd gotten hired fully at, you know, like you hear when people leave the meeting with Lauren and they're like, what? Am I, what does that mean? But he was like, I'm not sure. I gonna might start you as a writer and then we'll move you to cast maybe by Christmas or something. And then it was like three days later, they said, well, you'll be in the cast now. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't, I wasn't even sure. I I went in as shaky as as I would wind up being for the entire time (laughs) I was there. Right. And I think like... The first time I did Girl at a Party was probably the biggest hit for me, and that was in one of those election specials. So that was early October or something.
0: My favorite thing about that character is you'll just – because it's kind of subtle. You'll just take a pause and look at your phone and (laughs) and lose all of your performing affect and look at the phone and then look up and continue – and there is no joke. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's totally a character move, but it's hilarious. I, and, I, and I always love it because it, uh, well, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. We see people do it all the time. But I think a lot of other comic performers would feel insecure and feel like they need to put a joke in there.
2: Well, I, I mean, I I wish I could say it's because I was so secure. But I think it's like, once you get a laugh doing that, then you're like, oh, okay, they got it. They saw Because it is such like a rude move and someone who clearly doesn't care about the person they're having a conversation with. Right. Which was, you know, so much of that her. You're only there for me to like shame and say, I'm only bringing up any topic to show you that you don't know about it.
0: Right. Your characters, they don't need to learn anything from anyone they're talking (laughs) to. It was such a funny joke. You started when you were doing Marjorie Taylor Greene on SNL and Update and you come out— and you you go, oh, and you reach underneath and you go like, is this, whose gun is this? Is this your gun? <laughs> it's like you're, <laughs> you're sitting on a gun and you are assuming it's someone else's gun when no one else right. would have a gun but you. And it was she's just, so, I don't know. Right, in yeah.
2: this gun crazy world. Yeah, yeah, and like, she's just oh, like, oh. Whose gun is th- this? Is this gun? Is this my gun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: sitting on a gun, I don't know whose gun this is. And you know, Colin Joseph's like, no, no, no not my gun, that would be your gun. <laughs> Who's still, yeah. after all these years, if you're performing with them who just can you not keep it together if you're performing with them you know like who are the it's people t- who
2: there's i mean there's a bunch i feel like anyone there i might break with but certainly i think Keenan is a person that i will easily break with 80 right. yep once 80 starts going that's it and then also um i think Beck Bennett is so funny and yep. sometimes just like Beck making a mistake at the table would destroy me. Like my some of the funniest moments there is just Beck mispronouncing a word.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but he just
2: he again. There's something about him that's like I'm here to tell you. Yeah, just so presentational. And then to hear that make a mistake, to hear him go, excuse moi, 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 moi.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we should explain. There's this. There's the. There's the read through uh, on Wednesday. um, Yeah and people sit around and it's this part of Starting out Live that um, I'm sure has been captured sometimes on camera, but that's the part that people really don't know about, which is you sit around this massive, it's not one table, it's a bunch of tables jammed together and it's really huge. And the entire cast is sitting around it, plus everyone that works in scenic and music and everyone's in that room and all the writers. And um, that's where everything's decided and I, I remember over the years, things just destroying, killing at that table and then getting nothing at dress Mm -hmm. because it really worked when you heard it, but something about getting it on its feet and putting it up, all the magic went away.
2: I think that's sort of the norm now. I think it's like, we all expect that. And it's sort of, you know, you'll say like, well, that's for the table. This, This joke is for the table and then we'll rewrite it. Which is sort of – and I think also there's something about like we we know our world and comedy world and so we can make each other laugh maybe differently than we would to right. our, our
0: normal audience. There's a TV hall of fame of people mm-hmm. that uh, probably got on Star Out Live and were brilliantly funny and couldn't quite find how it worked for them there –
2: It's a very specific skill set that you'll never use anywhere else. And it's like if you're telling a joke, but you have to always be looking at one of three cameras or, you know, it's and reading cue cards at the same time. It's just a strange thing that you have to learn. That's why
0: I was really happy when people like Bill Hader, who I adore, was so fantastic on SNL, but then knew how to translate what he was doing into Barry and into these other, into other forms of entertainment and knew how to make the adjustments. And I think uh, Will Ferrell is another example of someone who did that really brilliantly. Ferrell, by the way, yeah. someone who my one of my all time people that I can't, I really do what I'm doing comedy. I don't like to break. I don't want to laugh. I really want to commit to being the straight Forget man. Forget it with him. Um, and he's, got these dead eyes. And I always think of, <laughs> I always think of. Joe. I know
2: exactly what you're talking about. I, like I'm laughing, thinking about it. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah. And he has those, um, I think of that speech. And Almost
2: he, like dog eyes. Yes. Like a big pitbull. <laughs> I was just with this dog Mooney. I feel like I have similar eyes. Just like looking at you. Yeah, there's no. There's something so funny behind his I, eyes. I
0: always think of that speech that Uh, Quint gives in Jaws. We talking about a shark's (laughs) eyes, and he goes like, "They're dead eyes. They're a doll's (laughs) eyes." And and I always think, yeah, he's got. um, There's no light coming out of his eyes. (laughs) He can make his eyes completely dead. And then um, he was on my late night show once, and he came out and he had a giant cockatoo on his shoulder. Right, so we're chatting and I just went, hey, so about the cockatoo. And he went, hey, we're not talking about the cockatoo. We're not talking about it. We're talking about me and what I'm up to and my new movie. The bird is, that's my business. That's my personal life. And I went, okay, fine. So we're talking a little bit. And then the bird's like, and I went, it seems like the bird's, we are not talking about the goddamn bird, Conan. The bird is none of your... And his eyes, um, he never <laughs> betrays that something funny is happening. And to me, that's yeah. like the essence of really great comedy is there is absolutely nothing funny happening here. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm thrilled if you decide to keep working at SNOt Live, but you're not someone I would ever worry about for a second because if you don't work at SNL, you're gonna do brilliant things. I, I know that for a fact, so... Um, wow!
2: Well, thank you.
0: I'm wrong much of the time.
2: I'd love to know your sources. Yeah. Okay.
0: No, I'm I'm wrong like eighty wrong percent facts. of the time. I got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, many times, I'm just completely no. I uh, I think that is a very. I think you're about the saf- safest comedy bet anyone could make. Uh, you're you're wildly talented and and I think also it's it's a gift because reading your book and I'm going to mention again this will all be over soon. I read it yesterday and I feel. Invested in you as a person because I feel like I really know you now, and um, you're a mensch, as my Irish people say. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and this is a really beautiful book. And I'm I'm sorry you lost your cousin because uh, he seemed like a very lovely guy. But I think you did achieve your purpose, which was he is alive and well in this book, and he's uh, his light is radiating. So. God bless you for doing that. That's really cool.
2: Thank you. That's a, You've brought me to tears. Thank you. It's a lovely thing to
0: say. Now we widen out and we see that you're dicing, <laughs> we, you're dicing onions. Is that old <laughs> <bit>? I'm sorry. <laughs> is my, my Showbiz f- tricks. <laughs> <laughs> and widen and onions. Uh, but uh, Cecily, um, I look forward to bumping into you in person sometime soon. Uh, but congrats on everything, and have a great rest of the summer.
2: Thank you. You
0: too. Thank you for this. Sona, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh?
1: I don't know.
0: Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. California. <laughs> California Sona, no matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So, are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident.
1: I'm a lifer. I love this place. This
0: is a beautiful state, gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching, you can go hiking in Yosemite.
3: Every once in a while, we like to do an official State of the Podcast. It's like the president does State of the Union. We just check in, see that we're keeping this thing up to quality standards and that everybody's uh, desires are being met. David, Conan, me. Okay.
0: So what's involved? I forget what we do here. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea what the state of the podcast is. Well, the state of the podcast- I, My desires are not being met. <laughs> Why? Because uh, you don't
3: know? What, what are your desires? How can we better meet your desires? Well, that's very nice of you.
0: Um, I'd like you guys to be a little more complimentary of me. Sort of like, "Wow, Conan, um, I'm still starstruck." <laughs> <laughs> Can't you muster that, sure, Matt? We can. Try you, that. you went. You went to contempt almost immediately when we first started working together a couple of years ago, and uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's try and, it. And you know what? You know I'd bat it away. You know I'd say, "Oh, f- don't be silly." Um, don't be ridiculous, because I'm a humble man, but you guys always start from a place, and you too, David. I think you've been around me too long, and you forget when you got off that bus- Okay, From here we where go. Are you from? Here we go. Where, Il- no, you're, yeah, uh, from Illinois. Illinois, yeah, Carlinville, Illinois. Carlinville, Illinois. You got off that bus with your cardboard suitcase and your undersized seersucker suit and that little hat, and you saw those big skyscrapers and went garsh, uh, <laughs> and, and came and worked for me. You were excited, and then suddenly- you quickly became the
3: same cynical uh,
0: <laughs> prick that Matt Gorley is. Wow, with and that intro,
3: I can't believe he doesn't gush praise on you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, David, I, yeah. let's you and me give him some praise. Let's see how naturally it comes.
4: You're really funny. <laughs> yes, I am. Next. Um, um, uh, people think you're hilarious. Yes, they do.
3: Next. You got a good working knowledge of history.
0: Yes, I do. Thank you. Next. See, I said I was going to bat them away, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm just accepting them and asking more. A voracious need machine.
4: Uh,
0: yeah, I,
4: Are we done? Was that enough? Yeah, I think that covers it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys acted like you were, you were saying those words with your last breath of air. Yeah. That's how it came across. Well. But David, what's it like when you go back home to, is it Carlinville? Carlinville. Yeah, when you go back to Carlinville mm-hmm. and um, you go to the general store and everyone's sitting around <laughs> swapping stories, they
4: must say like, what's that Conan O'Brien like, don't they? People do ask about you a lot, yeah. Yeah, and what kinds of stuff do you say? that you're really funny. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> what do you really say? No, I do say that I got I genuinely did get very lucky working for you because you are just very easygoing and very nice. Right. When I moved here, I just heard horror stories of working for different celebrities. Right. And
0: and and I don't really fit the cliché. Now, I do sometimes um act outrageously, but it's usually for comedic effect.
4: Yeah. Like one story I always tell was it was, you had ordered an Amazon package and it didn't show up. Right. So you called me down and wanted me to go look around for it. Five minutes go by. Sona calls, says, Conan found the Amazon package, come back down. In that five minutes, you had taken the time to carve a hole in just a random box just to flip me off. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, cut, I cut a hole in the box and I said, I did find
0: it. I found the Amazon package. And you were like, oh, I'm really glad you found it. I went, yeah, and look what's inside. And I opened the box And gave you the finger. I have a picture of it on my phone. And I thought, and Sona was howling, and I was howling. Now, I love that this is your story of what a good guy.
4: (laughs) But I remember going to all the trouble of, we sent you looking. You sent me looking, because I went, because it got dropped off at the Warner Brothers mailroom. So I go over, talk to someone at the mailroom, and then come back, and you were- waiting in your office for me for who knows
0: how long. Oh, I remembered. You know, we had a show to do Uh and uh, probably a big name guest if I know our show. And uh, there was a lot going on and I was like, nope, nope. I would routinely tell people the show can wait. I've got to figure out a way to saw a hole in this box, get my hand into it, get the new assistant to Sona to come up here, who's from Carlinville, Illinois, say, I found the box. Get you to open it and then have uh, me give you the finger. Yeah. Now that, that's, man, that's a true sociopath at work, (laughs) I think. Oh, by the way, Matt, uh, I found a uh, Amazon box for you. Oh, really?
3: (laughs) Should I head right over?
4: You should head over here as quickly as possible. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> Every traffic <laughs> I rule I do have
4: one nice one If you want me to say Like a genuine nice one No, uh, it's not, if, uh, well, no one yeah. cares about it Yeah, no what, what did I do? Did I do a nice no, thing? No, I had never been to New York Until I went with the show And the night that we got there You were trying to tell me Places to avoid at night To be safe And then you found out I had no cash on me So you gave me $50 Just in case I ran into an emergency Oh, that
1: is nice oh.
4: Did I get the money back? No, you told me I could keep it Even though I didn't have an emergency Or maybe well, you didn't say it And I just kept it I I think you told me I could keep it. I want that money back. What did you do with that $50? I don't know. It was like four years ago. I want that money. Okay. You son of a bitch.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Run, David, run.
0: (laughs) It's funny because when people, uh, I am this way when younger people work for me, I feel like their dad And so I I actually do. I do feel like, wait, we're in New York. Where are you from again? No, you gotta be safe in New York. We need to have, and that's a big thing with me is people have to have cash on them so Mm -hmm. that in case they run into uh, whatever, whatever kind of problem they run into. Mm -hmm. In my case, a prostitute. Um, (laughs) Oh, come on. It used to cost $50. Now I know that's a long time ago. $50, that would be a whole weekend back in the 80s. Okay. Yeah, you Take a boat around the harbor, antiquing with her. We never—I never had sex with one. Uh, I was too Just scared. Took them antiquing. I took them antiquing. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll go antiquing with you, but it's fifty dollars. Smack. That's they have chewing gum. Yep, antiquing with prostitutes with Conan O'Brien. Uh, I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but um, I'm glad. I'm glad that I did a one nice thing <laughs> once. <Jeez. laughs> I'm going to get that money. Never again. I'm going to get that money out of you somehow. (laughs) Uh, I think this proves that the state of the
3: podcast is strong and unchanged, I would say. Yes,
0: unchanged. And and though Sona is not with us because she's decided, I think uh, wrongly, that uh, two infant uh, children, twins, need rearing. I think we have survived the loss of Sona and David, you're doing a tremendous
4: job. Oh, well thank you. Yeah. It's true. I feel like people still get on hoping to hear Sona and then just like get a little disappointed when she's not here. I'm sure there's
0: a metric for that and we'll check it out.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Disappointment metric. Yeah. Adam, Adam Sachs is going to show me like a a slight dip
0: and go, Oh, we're really concerned about this. You know what? A week from now you're going to be wearing a Sona wig, even though it's a, even though it's a, a podcast. And saying like, "Yeah, pot's
3: cool, woo." David, can you pronounce ing words with a hard G at the end?
0: Ing, inga, yeah. Inga. inga, yeah, inga. She has a hard G. I
3: call her, call her on it all the time. Well, there it is. The state of the podcast is stronger.
0: It is a stronger. The state of the podcast is a, is stronger. Hard G. Sonam Obsessian.
1: Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. has been 18 Coco Production in association with Wolf.
2: Want to make Mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.
4: Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest.